0: MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Live
0: on tape from the Ed Sullivan Theater in New York City.
1: everybody thank you so much welcome welcome one and all to the late show I'm your host Stephen Colbert <laughs> <laughs> listen to that listen to that energy listen to that warmth wind chills today are near zero in New York and I want to thank my audience right here who braved this cold <laughs> came out it's cold out there did That's it great. dug down found that extra yes, gear get into to be it be here tonight oh, CAME OUT AND CAME INTO THE ED SULLIVAN THEATER, WHERE SOMEHOW IT'S EVEN COLDER. (laughs) HERE'S WHAT I LIKE ABOUT THIS WEATHER. THIS IS SINCERELY COMFORTING, IN A WAY, BECAUSE IT IS JANUARY 11TH. IT'S SUPPOSED TO BE REALLY COLD. THAT MAKES SENSE TO ME. AND THAT'S THE ONLY THING THAT DOES RIGHT NOW. LOOK AT COVID. REMEMBER, we, WE JUST NEEDED TO TAKE IT SERIOUSLY FOR, WHAT, THREE TO SIX WEEKS, SOMETHING LIKE THAT. THEN IT'LL BE OVER. THAT'S GOING ON TWO YEARS AGO. THEN WE THOUGHT IT WAS OVER AFTER THE GIANT PEAK LAST WINTER, PLUS WE HAD THE VACCINE, BUT THEN DELTA CAME AROUND AT THE END OF THE SUMMER INTO THE FALL, AND THAT WAS TERRIBLE. AND THEN then, then WE ALL THOUGHT, OH, WE'D BE GOOD BY THE HOLIDAYS, AND THEN OMICRON CAME A-KNOCKING, AND NOW I DON'T KNOW WHAT'S GOING ON, BECAUSE THE UNITED STATES REPORTED 1.5 MILLION NEW INFECTIONS YESTERDAY. THAT IS TERRIBLE, BUT KIND OF SWEET THAT WE ALL GAVE EACH OTHER THE SAME THING FOR CHRISTMAS. (laughs) Now, admittedly, 1.5 million is a staggering number. But everybody's saying if you're vaccinated, Omicron is very mild. Well, okay, but if that's the case, then why do we have a record-breaking 145,000 COVID hospitalization with experts predicting a peak in the 300,000 range? Soon there's going to be almost as many people in hospitals as there are TV shows about hospitals. (laughs) But CDC director Rochelle Walensky... EXPLAIN THAT THE NUMBERS AREN'T AS BAD AS THEY MAY SEEM, BECAUSE AT SOME HOSPITALS, UP TO 40% OF THE PATIENTS WHO ARE COMING IN WITH COVID-19 ARE COMING IN NOT BECAUSE THEY'RE SICK WITH COVID, BUT THEY'RE COMING IN WITH SOMETHING ELSE AND HAVE HAD THE OMICRON VARIANT DETECTED. OKAY, SURE, BUT EVEN IF PEOPLE AREN'T COMING IN FOR COVID INITIALLY... The hospitals are still overflowing. That's like saying, uh, technically, up to 40% of the people who drowned on the Titanic were already wet because they were in the bathtub when the ship went down. (laughs) So, not so bad. (laughs) Not so bad. (laughs) You want to know how sick of this pandemic we all are? Check out this headline that CNN thought we all needed to hear Five reasons you should not deliberately catch Omicron to quote, (laughs) get it over with. Well, obviously, you shouldn't deliberately catch Omicron, and should I? <laughs> I mean, all the other late-night hosts are doing it. I'm starting to think they had a secret sleepover and I wasn't invited. <laughs> now, I know. Oh, now It seems ridiculous to purposefully catch COVID, but according to one doctor, the idea of intentionally trying to catch Omicron is all the rage. Yes, getting Omicron is super popular. I hear it's dating Pete Davidson. (laughs) But he's got he's got that BDE, that that big delta energy. (laughs) Now, but (laughs) that's what I hear. That's what I hear. It's gotta be something. IT'S GOTTA BE SOMETHING. BUT I GOTTA GET A NECK TATTOO. BUT AS as APPEALING AS THE NOTION OF INTENTIONALLY MAKING YOURSELF SICK MAY BE, CNN HAS SOME PRETTY GOOD REASONS TO AVOID GETTING THE COVID, INCLUDING, YOU COULD GET LONG COVID, YOU'LL STRESS THE healthcare SYSTEM, AND DON'T MESS WITH MOTHER NATURE, ADDING, SHE'S BEEN TRYING TO KILL US EVER SINCE WE CRAWLED OUT OF THE OCEAN ONTO THE LAND. DAMN YOU, MAMA NATURE! Damn you to hell! Damn spite! Uh, you know what? You know what? I was, for years now, I've been against global warming, but now it's just payback time. I'm going back to plastic straws. Now, come here, you damn turtle, come here There's no actual turtle here, by the way. Now there is some help on the horizon. The White House just announced that insurers will have to cover eight at-home virus tests. Per month, eight per month. So, one for every new variant. (laughs) You gotta go out and buy the test yourself, which may not be easy, because with skyrocketing demand, rapid antigen tests are hard to find. And even when you do find them, you must first battle the self checkout machine at CVS. (laughs) No, no, you're an unexpected item in the banking area. (laughs) You are. What? 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 DO I WANT A BAG? OF COURSE I WANT A BAG! WHAT AM I SUPPOSED TO DO, Carry THIS TUBE OF CREST TO MY CAR, CLUTCHED IN MY BUTT CHEEKS? <laughs> OF COURSE... THE BIG DANGER IS THAT COVID HAS MUTATED INTO A POLITICAL ISSUE, AND TODAY, THINGS GOT ugly ON CAPITOL HILL, WHERE DR. ANTHONY FAUCI WAS TESTIFYING IN FRONT OF HIS OLD NEMESIS, KENTUCKY SENATOR RAND PAUL, SEEN HERE... <laughs> SEEN HERE SPORTING HIS SIGNATURE HAIRSTYLE, (laughs) FETTUCCINI-AL-HEDDO. DURING A HEARING hearing ABOUT THE FEDERAL RESPONSE TO OMICRON, SENATOR PAUL ACCUSED DR. FAUCI OF ATTACKING OTHER SCIENTISTS WHO OPPOSED COVID LOCKDOWNS, AND THE GOOD DOCTOR HAD HAD ABOUT ENOUGH. DO YOU REALLY THINK IT'S APPROPRIATE TO USE YOUR $420,000 SALARY TO ATTACK SCIENTISTS THAT DISAGREE WITH YOU? The email
2: you're referring to was an email of Dr. Collins to me. If you
1: look at the email... That you responded to and hurried up and said, I can do it, I can do it. We got something in Wired magazine. No, no, no.
2: I think in usual fashion, Senator, you are distorting everything about me. Get him, Fouts!
1: Come on! Take off the gloves. Take off the gloves and a mask. (laughs) I I have your results, Senator, and I regret to inform you you've contracted my boot in your ass. (laughs) Mm. Mm. Dr. Fauci was just scrubbing in. He went on to tell the committee the dangerous consequences of a sitting senator spreading lies about him. What happens when he gets
2: out and accuses me of things that are completely untrue? is that all of a sudden that kindles the crazies out there and i have life that threats upon my life harassments of my family
1: with obscene phone calls because people are lying about me that's just terrible dr fauci should not be getting obscene phone calls from violent crazies he should be getting them from lonely singles who saw his in style magazine cover <laughs> hello doctor Do those novelty socks go all the way up? (laughs) But Dr. Fauci used the scientific method to figure out just what Paul was up to. So I ask myself, why would Senator
2: want to do this? So go to Rand Paul website, and you see fire Dr. Fauci with a little box that says, contribute here. You can do $5, $10, $20, $100. So you are making a catastrophic epidemic for your
1: political gain. In response, a, a pretty damning accusation. In response, Rand Paul sent out an email Dr. Fauci tried to smear me by saying I'm profiting from the pandemic. Proof him wrong by donating $10, $20, or $100 today. But if there's one thing, if there's one thing out there more contagious than COVID, it's stupid. Because Rand Paul was joined in his dumb-dumb attacks on Fauci by Kansas senator and man who bought his veneers by the foot, (laughs) Roger Marshall. Senator Marshall asked Fauci about Fauci's financial disclosure, which is public, because that's how financial disclosures work. And Fauci let it be known that in no uncertain terms, it's not his fault if the senator doesn't know how to Google. Then at the end, the good doctor let his real feelings be known... On a hot mic, my financial disclosures are public knowledge
2: and have been so. You are getting amazingly wrong information. So uh, what I, are I, I cannot find them. Our office cannot find them. Where would they be if they're public knowledge? Sen- Sen- Where,
3: Sen- Senator Marshall? Dr. Fauci has answered you. It is public information, and oh, he's please. happy to give it to you if you would ask. Senator Moran.
2: What a moron. <laughs>
1: AND NOW and now THAT CLIP LIVES FOREVER ON THE INTERNET, THE ONE PLACE WHERE SENATOR MARSHALL AND HIS STAFF WILL NEVER BE ABLE TO FIND yeah. IT. There is, THERE IS SOME UPLIFTING NEWS FROM THE WORLD OF MEDICINE, BECAUSE ON FRIDAY, IN A MEDICAL FIRST, A MAN WITH A TERMINAL HEART DISEASE GOT A TRANSPLANT OF A GENETICALLY MODIFIED PIG HEART. GREAT NEWS FOR THE PATIENT. NOW NOT ONLY DOES HE GET A NEW HEART, BUT EATING BACON IS ACTUALLY GOOD FOR IT. <laughs> AND THE PATIENT IS RECOVERING NICELY, AND HIS NEW HEART IS FUNCTIONING AND ALREADY DOING MOST OF THE WORK. WELL, I'M PLEASED TO SAY THE PATIENT IS DOING WELL. THE ONLY DOWNSIDE, I'M AFRAID YOUR FATHER IS NO LONGER KOSHER. (laughs) THE PROCEDURE WAS A MASSIVE SCIENTIFIC UNDERTAKING. FOR STARTERS, TO SUPPRESS THE IMMUNE SYSTEM AND PREVENT REJECTION, Mm -hmm. DOCTORS MADE TEN GENETIC MODIFICATION ON THE PIG HEART. AMAZING, BUT you GOT TO BE CAREFUL WHEN YOU MESS WITH PIG DNA. WE ALL LEARNED THAT FROM THE MOVIE JURASSIC PORK. BIG NEWS FOR OUR FRIENDS ACROSS THE POND IN THE U.K., THEY'LL SOON BE CELEBRATING QUEEN ELIZABETH'S PLATINUM JUBILEE, AND BRITAIN IS PULLING OUT ALL THE STOPS TO MARK THE QUEEN'S 70 YEARS ON THE BRITISH THRONE WITH PUMP, PUDDING, AND PARTIES. THERE'S EVEN A VERY POPULAR PLAN TO LAUNCH PRINCE ANDREW INTO THE SUN. (laughs) NOW... HE DOESN'T SWEAT. Now. This is a big deal, because no British monarch has ever spent 70 years on the throne before. The closest any British royal has come is Queen Victoria, who ruled for 63 years, which explains the new royal commemorative China. Suck it, Vicky! (laughs) While her anniversary is next month, it's been announced that the Queen's Jubilee festivities will culminate with a four-day-long public holiday starting on June 2nd. In fact, People Magazine has already released their commemorative, The Queen Will Definitely Live Until June issue. <laughs> we got a great show for you tonight. My guest is Bradley Cooper. And when we come back, meanwhile.
0: going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here, along with you fans, covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: John, hey, there it is. John, it is. John, I, you know, I am grateful to everybody who comes on this show. I love all my guests equally, but uh, our guest tonight, Bradley Cooper, uh-huh. is is an extraordinary artist. I think I've said this before. It almost makes me angry how, how multi-talented he is. Oh, yeah. Last time he was on here for... is uh, Born. Born. Exactly, right. which he also Stars directed. Born, he was here. Extraordinary. He's on tonight for uh, a film uh, by Guillermo del Toro, mm. a director I absolutely love. Nightmare, um, uh, it's Nightmare Alley. Uh-huh. And I watched it last night. Oh. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, I, I at FIRST 15 MINUTES, I'M LIKE, oh, I WONDER WHAT THIS IS GOING TO BE. WHAT GENRE IS IT? Though? WHAT? WHAT GENRE? Is it? NOIR. AH. NOIR. Yes. A, a MUCH ABUSED STYLE, IN MY OPINION. Uh-huh. AND IT'S very yes. it's NOIR AND KIND OF LIKE CARNIVAL AND STUFF yes. LIKE THAT. I'M LIKE, oh, I WONDER WHAT THIS IS GOING TO BE. HALF AN HOUR, AND I'M LIKE, OH, MY GOD, THIS IS FANTASTIC. Yes. THE PERFORMANCES ARE AMAZING. YOU GOT you got YOU GOT BRADLEY COOPER. OH, YEAH. Uh, YOU GOT YOUR WILLEM Dafoe Recru- IN THERE. IT'S, it's EXTRAORDINARY. What's, yeah. what's, uh, WHAT'S THE PLOT? CAN YOU GIVE IT AWAY? I CANNOT. OKAY. <laughs> I, I, I CAN'T. I, I, HE COULD. YES, RIGHT. BUT LEGALLY, I'M NOT ALLOWED TO. Mm-hmm. BUT I, 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 I WATCH THE WHOLE FILM, AND I, OF COURSE, I WATCH EVERY FILM OF EVERYONE who ever COMES every, ON THIS SHOW. AND, re, and I READ and EVERY BOOK, AND I WATCH EVERY, every that's TELEVISION. Right. Yeah, THAT'S MY, YEAH, OF COURSE. SO IT'S NOT LIKE THIS IS SPECIAL, LIKE, THAT I WATCH THE FILM. I DO THAT ALWAYS. RIGHT, OF to COURSE. EVERY, I JUST watched THIS ONE MORE. YEAH. <laughs> TWICE. TWICE, YEAH, YEAH, YEAH. yeah. Folks, you know, I spend a lot of my time on the show, if you watch the show, you'd figure this out, right over there, standing right over there in the monologue, spelunking through the day's stories to select and source the newsiest marble, chiseling it into a pedestal of humor as wide as two Greek aisles. Then I cast the most topical current events, bronze into a finely crafted mold to erect for you the towering Grecian colossus that is my nightly monologue. But sometimes, just, just sometimes, folks, I jolt awake inside what's left of a rusted Mazda Miata and no. a... White claw and oven cleaner induced fugue state. Shamble through the junkyard, ransacking the debris for old fishing rods, melted batteries, and a shovel of a derelict backhoe. And then boost an acetylene torch to hastily weld together the bootleg truckosaurus of news that is my segment. Meanwhile. It's an antiseptic. It's an antiseptic. Meanwhile. A new study says you can fight midlife crisis and find spiritual meaning with skateboarding. <laughs> yes, because nothing puts a pep in a middle aged step like a shattered clavicle. <laughs> Meanwhile, folks, sometimes we come across such important ocean based news that it requires its own underwater subsegment, which we call marine wild. <laughs> marine wild. Researchers say that female dolphins have a clitoris. Much like humans. This is such a groundbreaking report that it can only be covered in my Genitals of the Ocean Life sub sub segment, Marine Wild Vagine Wild. <laughs> Marine Wild Vagine Wild. After dissecting several dolphin specimens, researchers identified an unmistakable clitoris the size of a AA battery and the color of spam. IT ANSWERS A LOT OF QUESTIONS ABOUT DOLPHIN ANATOMY, BUT RAISES QUITE A FEW MORE QUESTIONS ABOUT SPAM. (laughs) I ALWAYS WONDERED WHAT WAS IN THERE. (laughs) MEANWHILE, SCIENTISTS HAVE FOUND THAT SOME PEOPLE LOVE GAZING AT THEMSELVES IN VIDEO MEETINGS. OH, PLEASE, PEOPLE, FOCUS. IT'S WORK. You're not supposed to be thinking about yourself all day. I mean, how narcissistic can people be?
0: Up next, Bradley
1: Cooper.
2: Hey, everyone. It's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate, though. Because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week, I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure, and Fail Better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, my guest tonight is an award-winning writer, director, and actor you know from Silver Linings Playbook, American Sniper, and A Star is Born. You can currently see him in Licorice Pizza and Nightmare Alley. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Bradley Cooper. (laughs) <laughs> Bradley Cooper, thank you so much for being here. No, sir, sir. Have you been in front of a? a no, live can you see how excited I am? <laughs> it's different, isn't it? <laughs> it's
3: Couldn't it. help it. It's really nice. Hello. Um. Hello. It's amazing. It's lovely. It's Come lovely. on.
1: Nice to uh, nice to see you again. Had a really nice time <sighs> talking with you about *A Star WAS Born*. Yes. Of course, I'm a massive fan, as you know. But uh, I want to get to *Nightmare Alley* and. Licorice Pizza, you're a busy man for how somebody. How out of breath are we? What? How out of breath are we? Uh, uh, Alarming. <laughs> um, how were your holidays? I know, I know you have a, a young child. You have a yes, daughter. A daughter. Who's Who? here? Oh, she's here she's right now. Next stage, yes. So, uh, uh, old enough for Christmas? Oh yeah. Old enough for Christmas, but young enough that it's like everything, right?
3: Well, you know, we do this thing, baby to baby. Do you know that? I do not Where know that. Where you could be Santa's helper and you give. You can find four kids or three kids, and you make presents and then get, help Santa s- deliver them. I'm going to be out of breath the whole interview. <laughs> People like, come in halfway through, like, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> very, very few guests need <laughs> supplemental
1: oxygen to get through. It's like um, we're mounting K2 right now. <laughs> That's really lovely. So you guys put together toys yeah, so to give to other, other, children. other children. That's yeah. lovely. And,
3: and also, uh, for those of you who have kids, you know, they really, they really push that uh, Ghostbusters laser on every commercial in between cartoons so she wanted that so she oh, had the Oh the backpack
1: with the thing where you yes, capture yes, the ghost so yeah. she
3: got that she got that yeah nice nice she's like where's the laser though cuz it's just like a little plastic thing but you do capture Wait, the ghost but she i have she some was, notes on the laser she thought there was She the wanted the, the real laser shooting yeah, out
1: yeah. well okay well yeah. i thought you were a big star dad yeah i couldn't deliver thought you could not deliver it. me no. got to get you couldn't even get me paul Rudd. no I, <laughs> As as I was saying to John uh, in the last act, I watched uh, Nightmare Alley last night. Thank you for and watching. It is. I watch every movie. Of course, I you watch do. every movie. I just yeah. Um, it's it's an absolutely brilliant film, and it's this um, perfectly executed uh, noir, which, as I was saying to John, it's kind of like an abused form mm. these days. But I think it is the I think it is the greatest modern noir film. And and I want, I'm just curious, this is the, you, I understand you signed up for this
3: right out of Stars Born. Uh, kind of. Actually, I was going to do another movie um, that that I've been writing for like four years, but then, but then, and I knew Guillermo was going to make this movie, and I was a huge fan of his from Shape of Water and Pan's Labyrinth and so many movies. And he was going to make this movie, and I knew that Leonardo DiCaprio was going to do it, who's a friend of mine who I admire uh, tremendously. And then he dropped out. And my, I remember my friend and my agent, Dave, said, uh, you know, Guillermo wants to meet with you. And I was like, oh, uh, really? And I was like, and, and honestly, I mean, maybe this sounds crazy, but just the fact that, like, I was the second in line, like, after Lee, he was going to go to me? And I was like, well, I'll, I'll do anything he wants. And then the cast was already assembled. So you already had, like, David Strathairn and Cate Blanchett and Willem Dafoe. And so it was just like, of course I'm going to do it.
1: Well, l- let's talk a little bit more about uh, your, your character... Who is uh, Stanton Carlisle? Right. He's a, a something of a drifter. Yes. But a clearly a fiercely intelligent person. Yes. You know, a very quick study, shall yeah. we say, facile. A survivor. Yes. Now I'm curious. Um, all everybody in the movie, to a certain extent, is a uh, uh, carny. You know, a lot of the characters are, and a lot of them are are are, are, are grifters of of some right. kind or another. Yeah. And I'm curious. AS AN ACTOR, IN WHAT WAYS DO YOU RELATE TO THAT? OR WHAT WAYS DO YOU... MAYBE ANOTHER WAY TO PUT IT IS, HOW DO YOU AVOID BEING THAT mm. AS AN ACTOR? Mm. BECAUSE I UNDERSTAND THE nomenclature. HOW ABOUT nature. AS A PERSON? WELL, OKAY. OKAY. But do, SURE, AS A PERSON, HOW DO YOU AVOID DOING right, THAT? RIGHT, BEING UTTERLY MANIPULATIVE ALL THE TIME. RIGHT, TO GET WHAT YOU WANT yeah. BY PRESENTING what ONE FACE...
3: THAT'S RIGHT. For the, YOU WOULD THINK PEOPLE <clears throat> WANT TO SEE. Yes. And that, in there, lies why uh, this role I actually was very hard in the end. Because, uh, you know, the older you get, the older I get, I just want to do, get, you know, really not, don't act. Do as much preparation as I can. And we had six months to prepare, which was wonderful. And Guillermo and I, we worked on the script with Kate and Rooney and, uh, and just everything. And really came up with what's the story. So then we got there, and it really felt like we invoked Stanton Carlisle. I mean, the voice alone. We worked on the voice. This guy, Tim Monaco, I've been working with since American Sniper. Placed him in Canton, Mississippi. Uh, Darren Brown, this incredible mentalist, got to work with him and really honed everything. So this guy kind of existed. And Guillermo and I kind of watched what Stanton was going to do every day.
1: And for the, for the people who haven't seen it yet, uh, Stan Carlisle is a he's, he's, he starts off as a, basically a, a midway mentalist.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, he starts out as a sort of grifter and then learns. Uh, ABOUT MENTALISM FROM DAVID STRATHAIRN'S CHARACTER, AND THEN YOU WATCH HIM SORT OF PIECEMEAL ALL OF the th- THESE THINGS THAT HE'S LEARNING, AND THEN YOU USE THEM AND ACTUALLY THRIVE OFF OF THOSE SKILLS. Um, BUT he, ALL HE DOES IS MANIPULATE. AND I, IT DEFINITELY DID KIND OF MESS ME UP A LITTLE BIT. I DEFINITELY FOUND, LIKE, it was, IT WAS DARK, IT WAS A DARK FILM. DO YOU THINK YOU COULD DO THAT WITH
1: YOUR OWN STUDY OF HUMAN BEHAVIOR? BECAUSE SO MUCH OF IT IS it's trying to perceive in someone else the need that they won't name publicly and then giving them the thing that they wish they could ask for.
3: Yes. I mean, Kate, Kate's character says, you know, what do I want? And he says, what everybody, else, what everybody wants to be found out. Mm-hmm. And you hit him where it counts. Health, wealth, love. Find out what they're afraid of and sell it back to them, as long as you don't oversell it. We have, we have a clip here, and... Um, do you want to
1: set it up? Is there anything um, you want to say before we see this next clip? Because it's a, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a, I, it's a very interesting moment in and, the and, film. And,
3: well, this, 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 this clip that we're going to watch was, uh, we were terrified of this scene, all of us, Guillermo and myself, really, because it, 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 it's an important scene, and it's a scene that a lot of the movie is leading towards. And so we actually had a, a, a roaming set that we could take with us every day in case we didn't get it, because we were both kind of terrified that it wouldn't happen. Isn't that nuts?
1: What? So, like, we didn't get it, let's try it again tomorrow?
3: Yeah. And it would always be ready to go? Always be ready, you know, because it takes place in the trailer, mm-hmm. and we would shoot Tim Blake Nelson, and then that, we'll have that footage, and just, just in case. We also came up with another uh, scene that could have come after that. All out of just feel like, is this going to happen? And on the day, the, the take that you'll see, it's just one take, first take, it all just happened. Uh, and it was kind of a, a magical moment. Jim?
2: It ain't much, but it's a job, right? Of course, it's only temporary. Just until we get a real geek. You know what a geek is? So what do you say? You think you can handle it?
3: I was bored for it.
1: Nothing to be said. There's nothing to be said, <laughs> to be said yeah, right, unfortunately, right now. Right. Right. Well. Um, uh, a strangely satisfying moment, or a strangely—it's uh, yes. a strange consummation of a lot of other events. That that one hundred percent, right there. It
3: really, will, yeah. Um, it especially is... when you
1: drink the whiskey. Yeah. Especially when you take that yeah, second oh, shot.
3: Man,
1: we have to take a quick break. When we come back, I will ask Bradley Cooper about his other new movie, Licorice Pizza, and the odd connection he has to the character he plays. Stick around.
3: Listen to Avatar Brave
0: the Elements wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You've been very busy
3: uh, during COVID doing movies. Did you shoot this during COVID? Yeah, we we shot it and then we we, we stopped. We shot the second half of the movie first, which was kind of insane. And then when we shut down for COVID for six months, right? March, April, May, June, July, August, and came back end of September. uh, And in that time, we got to edit that part because uh, the, the, the movie actually has two sections. There's a carnival, and then it fast-forwards two years later. And so it really informed us of what we could then mine in the first half of the movie that would pay off in the second, and it was invaluable. And I, got to, I was able to lose weight so that, you know, he's very, um, you know, he's, he's living off the, the land, he's got nothing in the first, and then all of a sudden he's in Buffalo, and he's, very, he's living in a wonderful hotel, and he's eating room service every day, so he's a little more plump. <laughs> um, and, uh, AND SO that WE WERE ABLE TO DO THAT, WHICH I'VE NEVER BEEN ABLE TO what DO. WHAT A LUXURY and, TO BE ABLE TO DO THAT, yeah, TO BE ABLE oh, TO
1: MAKE THAT PLAN. Yeah. And,
3: and, AND THEN THE OTHER THING WAS uh, PAUL THOMAS ANDERSON CALLED ME, AND HE'S A HERO, ABSOLUTE HERO. I WAS GOING TO GIVE UP ACTING. PUNCH DRUNK LOVE was, WAS RELEASED, I THINK IT WAS LIKE 2007. I WENT TO THE LANDMARK in, uh, in, IN L.A. AND WATCHED THE 1230 P.M. AND I THOUGHT, WELL, I CAN NEVER GIVE UP. Because I, I don't want to be somewhere else, and this movie's out, and I think I didn't try. So he's always been a hero. He asked me to do a small role in his film, and we shot that in between uh,
1: Nightmare Alley. And that's Licorice Pizza.
3: That's Licorice
1: Pizza, yes. And you you play uh, you play uh, a, a part based on the real life producer, legendary producer John Peters. Here he is threatening to burn someone with gasoline.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's the gra- gas crisis in the in the '70s in the Valley, and he. Uh, his uh, Ferrari uh, has run out of gas on his way to pick up Barbara Streisand to go to the movies. Because he was because he was going out with Barbara Streisand. He was a hairdresser who then became one of uh, uh, like an infamous producer in Hollywood and produced A Star Is Born*. Actually, mm-hmm. I- I- ironically enough. You know. So he he was he a fun guy to play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you must know him. I yeah I got to well I had to I mean the truth is. If it wasn't for John Peters, uh, I never would have been able to make A Star is Born because he deferred his grandfather fee that he would get. And because we we made it on a relative shoestring, that movie, uh, if he didn't defer, I never would have been able to make the movie. Not the most flattering portrayal of the character. (laughs) Have you seen him since you actually played No, no, I have no idea what he No idea. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no.
1: We have to take another break. When we come back, I will ask Bradley about how he got his new directing gig... Maestro.
3: Listen to the Daily Show Ears Edition wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You, you know what a big fan I am of uh, *Stars Born*. As I said before, and I understand that you're starting—you're you're you. going to start directing your second film. Yeah. Okay. And this is uh, based on Leonard Bernstein, called yeah. *Maestro*.
3: Yes. How did how did this come? Ab- this this come is. About? You know, it's a weird thing. I've been so lucky, you know. I always thought maybe I could play a rock star musician and I got to do a stars born. And I always when I was 8 years old, I asked Santa Claus for a baton because I was obsessed with conducting classical music. Why does an 8-year-old why did I, you play a classical instrument? I mean, I played the upright bass. I played the bass, which wow. Yeah, yeah. By the way. <laughs> I mean, wow. Wow. Did you want to conduct? Uh, yes. Oh, yes. I was obsessed with it. I spent hundreds of hours uh, uh, when I was... I'm not kidding. Like, I really... You know, you put your 10,000 hours in for something you never do. <laughs> I did it for conducting, and... Uh, just pretend conducting. Just, yeah, I was... I, I don't know. I just... There was something... I think it was probably... You know, remember Bugs Bunny and Tom and Jerry? You know, I think it was sure, that. Like, I figure honestly figure think of, it figure was... it, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that was also the upright face. Remember, ain't you ain't, you, ain't, you, ain't, you, ain't you ain't My Baby? Remember that cat does that in the cartoon? Yeah, anyway. Uh, so, I was a big Tom and Jerry fan. Um... And so uh, Steven Spielberg knew that, and he, he said, yeah, he happened to know that I was, had this obsession with conducting. Like, in grad school, I created, you know, you do, like, yeah. a thing. I, I went to, uh, did, like, an MFA, and yeah. you create a character, and I created a conductor and then mm-hmm. wrote a monologue. So it was really something that was always inside me. Mm-hmm. So he said, uh, there's this project called Maestro I might direct. He might direct. He might, at that time. And uh, would you read it to maybe play the guy? And I didn't know anything about Leonard Bernstein. I read it, and I said, well, you know, I just wrote and directed uh, this movie, and that's really all I want to do. Are you really going to direct this? And he said, I'm probably not going (laughs) to. I said, Mm -hmm. well, can I show you uh, A Star is Born? I'm just in the middle of coloring it. And, and, and And then if you like it, could I research Leonard Bernstein and figure out what the story could be? And so he came to, this was, like, I'll never forget this, Stephen. He came, and we're sitting there, and I'm showing him A Star is Born, and he's all the way on the other side, uh, in the front row, like, this coloring. A pretty huge screen. And it's the scene where uh, Jackson calls Allie up on the stage. Like, the whole thing. You know, it's the pretty, like, the biggest scene in the movie. Mm -hmm. Right? And I'm sitting there. And right as she, like, just as going on the stage, he gets up. And I thought, oh, he's going to the bathroom now? And I was like, that's it, it's over. Like, if he's going to the bathroom at this point in the movie, <laughs> where it's all literally, like, it starts, there's, like, a drumbeat that starts when she quits her job all the way. And he, like, gets up, he walks over, and I just am putting my head down. And I put my head down, and next thing you know, I, like, feel his face here, and he goes, and he says, because it's loud, because the guitar, he's going, you're f- directing maestro. And then he sat back down. <laughs> and it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. That's an
1: amazing moment.
3: It was amazing. amazing. Yeah. Well, Brad, it was wonderful
1: to have you Thank here. You. Thank you so much Thanks for being have... here. This has been the Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying the Late Show Pod Show, leave us a five star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch the Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11:35, 10:35 Central on CBS and Paramount Plus. And for more exclusive Late Show content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube.
0: MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level.